Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. What's the most decisive battle in the history of the world? Now, keep in mind, I didn't say the biggest. I didn't say the one you've seen movies about. You've probably heard of this battle and know nothing about it. But the battle, singular battle, that changed the world. To this day, the world is different because of what happened here. 
Let's do a little rewind. First, though, it's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessikellyshow.com. You can email your questions throughout the show. I have questions about sales because I used to be in sales. Joe Manchin. I have questions about why women talk in inopportune times. I have a stack of Dr. Jesse questions today, and they're awesome, and it's going to be a fun day. It's Friday, baby. But first, 1588, long time ago. Let's go over to Europe, England, Spain, so on and so forth. Here's the situation on the ground. Queen Elizabeth II, or I'm sorry, Queen Elizabeth I is in charge of England. If that name sounds familiar at all, I know we don't generally care about royalty unless you're a woman and a prince is getting married and then they all watch it on TV. But we don't really care about royalty, nor do we really know unless you're an expert on the thing. You don't know Henry, Elizabeth, Mary. You don't know. But almost everybody's heard of Henry VIII, that famous king of England. He had two daughters. Well, two that we're going to talk about. I'm sure he had a lot more than that. He had Mary who took over after him. That's where the name of the drink Bloody Mary comes from because she was a very devout Catholic. So devout she thought you should die if you weren't Catholic. There's the name. Mary goes away, dies, and her sister Elizabeth I takes over. And that's where we're t- who we're talking about today. Not really too much. Don't worry about memorizing that. But she's the one in charge of England. But England at this time is not at all the England you know. Juggernaut, colonial power England. England at this point in time is struggling internally and externally. Big time. They're, I mean, they're, they're okay But they're certainly not some world beater. Not at all. Now, let's pause on England for a moment and drift on over to Spain. I don't know if you've heard. Spain had a pretty big year in 1492. It was fairly significant for reasons. In all seriousness, by 1588, Spain really is a powerful, powerful country. They are dominating what we now know as Latin America. They have the wealth. They have a man named Philip II in charge. Now let's merge these two worlds. Philip II and Mary, Bloody Mary, were a thing, and they were both very devout Catholics. And when I say devout, Obviously, I was talking about them murdering Protestants, but you have to understand the times. There are plenty of devout Catholics today, plenty of devout Protestants today, so on and so forth. But the times back then were so religious. You would consider your religion above your country. You would consider it above so many things. And many people will say that's healthy. It obviously can be, but it can manifest itself in some really ugly ways. Catholics and Protestants 
very much viewed each other, not every single person, obviously, but as that is a heretic religion that should be banished from the earth. It's antichrist stuff. It was that big of a deal. I, it can be easy because in America we have such religious harmony, especially between Catholics and Protestants. It can be easy to dismiss how big of a deal that rivalry has been in the past. That A lot of people... Thousands and thousands and thousands of, shoot, probably hundreds of thousands of people have died because of that rivalry. Catholicism versus Protestants. It's a big deal. And Philip, obviously, he and Mary got along famously along those ideals. Then Elizabeth takes over. Elizabeth is a Protestant. Elizabeth is not a Catholic. Elizabeth changes the dominant religion in England from Catholicism to, you know, the whole Church of England thing. Well, now Philip is starting to get upset, but they're not openly rivals yet. They're kind of trade partners. They're on speaking terms, but they're doing the the couple that hates each other, but they've been too, together too long to divorce thing where they're really just taking petty shots at each other. And when I say petty, I mean trying to murder, but they're taking petty shots at each other constantly. You see, they didn't want, Philip didn't want a war with England. Elizabeth didn't want a war with Spain. But they did dislike each other, and they did want the wealth the other had. So what did Elizabeth do? Pirates. At this point, Spain has the much, much, much stronger navy, at least on paper. You're looking on paper, and you don't think about Spain that way because Spain is a nothing power now. But at this point, Spain, oh, man, they have you know, this navy. And England's navy just doesn't look like much on paper. And Elizabeth knew that her navy, or at least thought her navy, we'll get to that in a little bit, couldn't challenge the, Span- the Spanish navy. So she found pirates, men by the name of Francis Drake. You ever heard of him? John Hawkins, famous, well, I guess we should call them privateers. And you know what the difference is between a privateer and a pirate? Nothing. Absolutely nothing at all. When you're a power, a country, you hire pirates to become your privateers. They're doing what they're doing on behalf of you, but they're doing all the same things they were already doing anyway. Now, oftentimes I should say these pirates or privateers were career Navy men who had retired, and now they went to privateer life a little more money. But Francis Drake, who's going to be instrumental in our story and who is an absolute boss, a completely underrated dude in history, he begins to absolutely terrorize the Spanish Empire. There are two really, really, really profitable things Spain is doing right now. One, the Caribbean, sugar. Remember, this is the era where spices and and things you put in your food are everything. And the sugar of the world is coming out of the Caribbean on Spanish merchant ships. Until Francis Drake appears on the horizon. And then they're going to end up being on Francis's ship. Driving the Spanish crazy. And the second major form of currency at this time 
slaves from Africa, ship after ship after ship, to and from the Caribbean, from the the west coast of Africa, up into Europe. Slavery is huge. And remember, slavery is money. In the ancient world, slaves were worth more than gold. They just, people got rich off of them, buying them, selling them, trading them. Barbaric and horrible, yep, but absurdly profitable. Absurdly profitable. And Francis Drake starts raiding the slave ships as well. Driving Philip II crazy. Philip, he's had about enough of this. He decides he's going to take his own petty shot. We get to that in a second. And why women talk at inopportune times. Hang on. I'm going to shoot you straight. When I first heard about Super Beats, you know, natural, food-derived, great for your heart, great for your blood pressure, I wasn't sure about them. And it's not not for any special reason. It's I hate beets. And I'm talking about the kind of hatred where my mom used to prepare them in the house when I was a kid, and I would leave the house so I didn't have to smell them. That's how much I hate beets. I eat two Super Beets heart chews every single day, and I look forward to it. That's how good these things taste. I can't stress enough. Good for your heart. Good for your blood pressure. And they don't taste like beets, <laughs> which might be, that might be the most important thing. Go to superbeets.com slash jesse. That's superbeats.com slash jesse. That's going to get you two free 30-day supplies. Now that's saving yourself some money. I've got an animal inside of me. This is Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, on Instagram, until I'm run off of all those platforms. Facebook, I'm on there too. I was on Parlor, but it doesn't exist anymore. 877-377-4373. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Back to England, 1588. Elizabeth, Phillips sniping at each other. Elizabeth has privateers raiding Philip's ships. Phillips had about enough of it. He decides to fund an assassination plot against Elizabeth. Yeah, it's getting uncomfortable now. It fails. Elizabeth does not back off. She steps up the pirating, and then she starts sending troops to people like the Dutch who are openly at war with Philip. These are religious wars, keep in mind. Then, uh, what turned out to be the final straw, Queen Elizabeth executes somebody who is challenging her for the throne. Normally, that wouldn't be a big deal, except the person she executed was Catholic. Now, Philip loses his mind. He decides 
He's going to invade England with a juggernaut of an invasion fleet. He has the army to do it. He has the fleet to do it. And at least on paper, there's virtually no way England can stop it. And I want you to understand this moment here. If Philip invades England with the force he wants to invade it with, and if he succeeds, which on paper he absolutely should succeed, there's a good chance you don't even know what England is because it doesn't exist today. Think about that. The, the, the disparity in the strength of the forces was that great. Philip II prepares a 130-boat invasion fleet. He also has a military, a, a landing force led by the Duke of Parma. Don't worry about remembering that. Just know that he was a stud and his invasion force was awesome. Their plan? Go completely take over the English Channel. They don't think England has the Navy that can withstand it. And then once you've taken over the English Channel, straight out of the movies, land your boats on the shores and go start murdering Englishmen. That's the plan, and it's ready to roll. Remember Sir Francis Drake, though? Francis Drake is really the one you need to note in this story because he's going to be the focal point, and he's really what matters here. Because... At this point, Queen Elizabeth, she knows that Spain is planning this huge invasion. She doesn't know what to do. She's rattled. She's not even sure if she wants war at all. They're talking peace terms already. She's just very unsure of herself and doesn't know which direction to go. Francis Drake, though, knows exactly which direction to go because Francis Drake unlike Queen Elizabeth, understood exactly how big of trouble they were in, and he understood there's no chance we are going to sit back on our heels and get steamrolled by the Spanish. If we want to win this at all, we had better take the fight to them. And so this guerrilla terrorist with 23 ships attacks Spain. He doesn't wait for them to come. He knows this huge war is coming. He starts attacking Spanish ports all along the coastline and absolutely slaughtering people. He's sinking ship after ship after ship. He's not only sinking them, he's seizing all the loot on the ships. He's seizing the food stores. He's seizing the gold. He's just ruining Spanish merchant shipping, driving them absolutely insane. And now, in the meantime, England is getting flat out rich off this thing, and they're bleeding the Spanish dry at the same point. Drake finally, because the Spanish get their stuff together, Drake finally backs off, heads back to England, and I would love to have been a fly on the wall for when he finally got called in before the queen. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, queen, we are most definitely at war now. Let me just put, let me just clarify that. <laughs> There's no more maybe. Uh, they're upset. They're they're really upset at this point. But 
Life is funny sometimes. The Spanish get their 130-ship armada rolling now. It's heading up towards Spain. But the weather is such an underrated part of history. We, we've talked about this before, and I swear I want to know this book exists. If not, somebody should write it. I'm not the one to write it. The history of weather how weather has affected so many things. It's not the sexiest title in the world, so it probably wouldn't sell, but it really is fascinating. The Spanish, with this huge 130-boat fleet takeoff, and the weather proceeds to just beat the daylights out of them as they try to make their way up to the English Channel. Not only does the weather start beating them up, something small, something you wouldn't think of, starts absolutely killing them, The food. You ever thought about how they stored food pre-refrigeration on these ships? It was gigantic crates, gigantic sealed barrels. What do you do if the seals start going bad? Well, your men start getting really, really sick because your food goes bad really early. The Spanish fleet is not only getting pummeled by the weather, their food is going bad. They have to keep stopping into shore to resupply themselves. So this couldn't possibly be going any worse. And it's giving England time to prepare. England, they appoint a man in charge. I'm not even going to bother you with his name of their naval fleet. And they know they must stop the Spanish on the seas because if the Spanish invasion force lands They simply do not have the military to withstand them. They have no chance. They know they have to stop them at the seas. And the dude in charge of the Navy is smart enough to know, I shouldn't be in charge of the Navy. Guys like Francis Drake should be calling the shots out here. So he looks to guys like Drake and Hawkins, and he says, "Uh, you you pirates who've been killing people for a long time, I'm going to want you to go ahead and take over, which Drake is obviously more than happy to do. The Armada gets to the English Channel, and what do they find? They find a different-looking fleet than theirs. The Spanish Armada, the Spanish ships are huge, absolutely gigantic ships. Their cannons are gigantic. They just, they're very intimidating. If you were to put one of the English boats next to one of the Spanish boats, you would say, oh, I have a good idea of which way this one's going to go because the English boats were much smaller. Their cannons were much smaller. But England had already figured out the old ways are gone. We've developed something new. In all their time of pirates and privateers, they figured out there is a better way to do things. And what do I mean? Well, the old ways of naval warfare were always this. And this goes clear back to Roman times, the Phoenicians. Naval warfare was a lot of ramming. I mean, it seems barbaric. It seems seems like quite a caveman way to, to, to do ships. But the Greeks would famously put heavy pieces of metal, like metal points on the front of their boats, and that was just what you did. You ran around and rammed into people. All right. I'm going to tell you what the difference is, what it was, what the new thing is. We're going to wrap up our story, and I'm going to get to some sales tips and ranking some restaurants. Hang on.
No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, we'll probably stay together. Probably? It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three or Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. It's an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't worry about alligators. Don't worry. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, I got scolded, too. I got scolded by email. I'll read one of those. It was greatness. I love you guys. All right, let's finish our story so I can get to your questions here. So... Francis Drake is now really the man in charge. He decides. Let's let's recap the ships here for really quickly. The ships, remember, Spain's are big, England's are small and fast. The Spanish way was still get really close to your opponent, unload your massive cannons on him, run into him if you can, and definitely board him. You have a bunch of dudes on there, swords, muskets, so on and so forth. Ram him, shoot him with your big guns, disable him, and then board him and go shoot and stab. England, because of their piracy ways, their privateer ways, they had kind of changed that game. England thought, well, what's the point of that? I'm just going to have this light, super fast ship. I've got this lighter cannon, but yeah, it's not shooting as big enough of a shell, not doing as much damage, but the range on it is absurdly better. I'm not going to let you get close to me at all. Spain has no earthly idea what they're in for. They keep pushing towards the English ships. Remember, these small little ships shouldn't be a problem. Let's just go run into them, then we'll board them. Well, the English just keep sailing the other direction and shooting them while they do it. And soon, Spanish ships are starting to go down to the bottom of the English Channel. And Spain is having a hard time figuring out what exactly is happening. They can't get a handle on these English ships no matter what they do. They're just so fast and their gun range is so much greater. Think And think for a moment, put yourself in the shoes of the Spanish for a moment. I think in general, most people root for the English in this just because of our heritage. But how helpless of a feeling is that? 
if you're a Navy captain, maybe a great Navy captain for, for the Spanish, you know, lifetime of achievement. And now you're in a ship or ships and you don't have a weapon capable of reaching the English ship and your ship is too slow to catch the English ship and they're just destroying you. How helpless does that feel? What is going through your mind? And at some point in time in this battle, Spain figures out, uh, we are in deep, deep trouble here. We must turn and we must go now or we're going to lose the entire Spanish Armada. We must go. Spain turns and takes off. And this really is the moment that changed the world. England could very, very easily have watched the Spanish ships turn around and take off and just have that moment from the movies where the little guy fights off the big guy and he sits there and cheers and woo and everybody hugs and next you see him singing and dancing around the fire. Oh, not Francis Drake, not England. They saw the Spanish turn around and take off and they said, oh, let's go get him. And they proceed to chase this slower, cumbersome fleet, peppering them, sinking ships the entire time. The Spanish are so desperate to get away, they start to get strung out. They're not even in great formation anymore. And now the English ships, they're swarming individual Spanish ships like a swarm of bees. Boom, boom, boom. Cannons going into the side of them. The Spanish are being virtually annihilated. It's essentially like an ancient battle, like a rout, where the troops turn around and run, and that's when they all die. The Spanish are dying. Finally, they get to a port, the Spanish do. They get in there, and they think, oh, gosh, just please let this be it. It was not it. The English, they wanted to make sure this was the last time they had to fight this one. The English get the idea to unload eight of their ships completely, completely unload the ships, wait till the wind was right, and then light the ships on fire and sail them right towards the Spanish. Spain is finished. Spain gets crushed. Spain decides to try and sail home. But the English have so devastated the Spanish fleet. The boats that are still standing are in such a state of disrepair. They've lost so much in supplies. They take devastating losses just sailing back home. Why did the English move on to rule the world, change the world, start the United States of America? Why? By the time the Spanish rolled back in from their failed invasion, they'd lost half of their fleet and the other half was beaten to death. How much did the English lose? Not one boat. Not one boat except for the ones they lit on fire themselves. You see, that changed the world. Spain, that was, 1588 was their pinnacle. They went downhill steadily after that. They just had lost too much money, too much national, international prestige. 
It just went downhill after that. Why did England then enjoy hundreds and hundreds of years of dominance? And still, I mean, obviously a major nation today. Why? Because England had a killer instinct. Because England understood we only get the country we want if we take the fight to the people who are trying to destroy it. Sir Francis Drake wasn't unsure of what he should do. I mean, they're coming. Maybe we should. I don't know. But should we retreat? I can't decide. Francis Drake hears they're coming and says, oh, well, I'm going to go down there and kill some of them. I'm going to go sink some ships. I'm going to go steal all their money. I'm going to go murder some of their captains. I'm going to go take the fight to them. There is a rot on the right, not on the left. There is a rot on the right in the United States of America. And that rot is simply this. We are so in love with what we consider to be the moral high ground. We've become cowards and weaklings. And they're eating us alive because of it. They're eating us alive because of it. Big arrest about that. You remember that Capitol raid? There was a big arrest. Somebody, you know, committing lots of the violence. You know who it was? Black Lives Matter activist, undercover. But you remember what the right did immediately after the raid? Every single politician and pundit on the right, every single one. Well, not everyone, but most of them. Went along with the media narrative, each and every one of them. Time and time and time again, we choose this moral high ground instead of having a killer instinct. You would never in a million years see the left pile on their side the way the right does time and time and time again. Why? Because they have a killer instinct. Joe Biden's going to raise the minimum wage to $15. Small businesses are getting wiped out across the country right now because of COVID. Joe Biden's getting in there, and he's going to finish them off. Good for him. Why? Small businesses are Republican. That's what you call a killer instinct. That's why they're winning. All right, let's ask Dr. Jesse time. Let's have some fun. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.